It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined to break down the film of one of the four top offensive tackles in the 2020 draft as we get ready to see if the Jets are able to land one of these four by the man who, of course, is over at JetsXFactor.com. Breaking down the film, Mr. Joe Blewett. Today, we are going to break down Louisville's Makai Becton. Joe, what's going on, buddy? Um, as you know, we're all, or all these smart people are, are quarantining. So uh, a lot of time dedicated to film, uh, been stuck in, in my house and I'm not at work. So, um, it's not, like I said, like I said last time, it's not too bad because I have to do this stuff anyway. The, uh, draft slash free agency time is the busiest time of, of year for, you know, in terms of me putting out content. So, um, I've been hunkered down, you know, grinding the film right now. So. Well, it's a good thing that you're doing that, Joe, because it fits in perfectly with these film shows that you come on for. So now we know that you've watched the film and you watched the film on all four of the prospects. So we're going to do one by one each week on Monday. You're going to hear from one of the beat reporters who covered one of these four guys on the ground. And then on Tuesday, you're going to get the full film review from Joe on that particular prospect. And we're starting with Makai Becton, six foot seven, 370 pounds. This is a gigantic man, but an incredible athlete as well. Very intriguing prospect because of his upside. You've heard that many, many times. You've also heard that he is the most raw of the four, and we're going to break down why that is. So, Joe, let's start first with the run blocking. I think Makai Becton is pretty polished in that area and ready to go day one in the NFL as a run blocker. We'll get to the pass blocking later. He makes some unbelievably impressive run blocks, and if you watch his tape, you see him block guys out of the frame. In fact, Stephen White, who used to play defensive line for the Jets and for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who does film breakdowns over at SB Nation, joked that he kept a running tally of the number of times that Makai Becton knocked guys out of the frame of the camera when he was watching his tape. So let's talk about the run blocking. He looks like he could be a real bulldozer in that area right off of the bat. Uh, yeah, that, and like you said, there are a few you know weaknesses that, that he has um, overall in, in his game. But in terms of the run game, uh, like you said, 6'7", uh, 370, 35, and 5'8"-inch uh, five arms with a massive wingspan. Um, his combination of just ob- obviously absolutely massive size um, plus athleticism is just it, – it's absolutely ridiculous. There's really no way to say he, he tested like an athletic offensive lineman for a guy who is, you know, 6'4", 310. But for him to test as he did as, a, as you know, a 6'7", 370 guy, um, 
and that's what you saw on the film. He's just not supposed to move <laughs> like like he moves. It is pretty um, ridiculous. And you know, the guy who's keeping the running tallies of of the guys he blocked out of the frames or just straight picked guys up, you know, off of their feet and, and slammed them to the turf. It was you know, uh, it was super impressive. Um, and I think he could definitely you know really move guys because of that those really long arms. You know how strong he is from both of his you know his core to his to his trunk um, up through those arms. Um, you know, it's, it, you see him move guys and he can move guys even without technique sometimes, uh, where he might shoot his hands wide. He might not get the best leverage, but because of how overall strong he is, he doesn't necessarily, he didn't necessarily need that technique, um, in college to, to move guys. He didn't need to control the chest because if he got his hands on you, um, you know, whether it be, uh, one hand on you, uh, you, you know, uh, one hand on you on the shoulder instead of, you know, into the V of the chest. Um, he's going to he's going to move you, um, especially at the level he played at. So uh, the the run game is definitely impressive just because, just because of the overall um, strength that he has. But there are some definite things he can work on. Uh, his feet cross a little bit too much in the run game for me. He takes some big steps in in, in the run game, uh, a little bit top heavy. Where I like to see him have a better base in the run game, where you you can see him. You know, if, if he is going to get beat in the run game, it's by getting you know shed with quick uh, quick lateral movement because he's not. Um, as square and as you know, as uh, sunken into his base as he needs to be in the run game, you could see him loading up into, in, into his punches in the run game. You could see some inaccurate punches. You could see some in, in proper hand placement. So there's definitely things he needs to work on um, in the run game. Uh, but there are positives, like I said, just the overall strength of how how well he moves, how much ground he can cover, how big he is, just the how much ground he can cover paired with how big he is and how big his wingspan is you could you could you could definitely erase people from the game um especially if he if he if he works on some of the technique definitely um likes to drive guys into the ground uh he works his feet in the run game which which i like you know he he doesn't he doesn't just pop block guys um so that's a positive um like i said you know playing at the level he did in, in college you know you might be able you're, you're going to be able to get a, you know away with bad technique especially for his size um you know, how just massive he is. You can get away with that bad technique. But in the NFL, they're all strong. Uh, some of them might not be as, you know, strong enough for, for Beckton. I'll be honest, you know, if he, if he's working his way up to a 230 pound linebacker, uh, he has 140 pounds on him. He might not be, you know, need to have the best technique overall, but NFL guys are smart where, okay, you know, if he's going to come out with a straight power, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to jab him in the chest and then obviously, uh, you know, do a push pull, jer- uh, jerk pull, whatever you want to call it. Um, and get away from him later, uh, laterally. So he needs to definitely work on things. But um, him in the run game, I, I think specifically for him, you know, I think he could fit into into his own um, base running scheme. But you want him in, in power gap schemes where you know he's down blocking, um, you know, back to a three technique or whatever it may be, um, and just ask to to move guys to kick guys out um, and not have as much technique where it's just power versus power. Um, so he's definitely intriguing um, in the run game for sure. Let's talk about his pass blocking now. I thought he took a lot of strides in 2019 as opposed to 2018. I'm not saying that he's all the way there yet. I'm just saying if you watch his 2018 tape, I think that he made some real positive progressions in 2019 when Dwayne Ledford showed up and you heard Cameron Teague Robinson on the show yesterday talk about how much Dwayne Ledford's tutelage helped Makai Becton in 2019. That said, he does have a ways to go. And Joe, I want you to talk about this, but a couple of things that I personally noticed, 
His hand movement seems very inconsistent. Sometimes he doesn't seem to know what to do with his hands. And then on top of that, you've got a situation where his punch is very erratic and it's easy to time. So there's not a lot of variety in his punch. And if you're an NFL level defender, you're going to be able to figure that out pretty quickly and get around it. Also, he seems susceptible to inside moves, but I think there's also a lot to yep. like there in terms of raw athleticism, raw power. And as I said, I thought his balance and his footwork really took some strides in 2019 as well. So, Joe, talk to me about the pluses and minuses of Bakai Becton as a pass blocker. Um, in terms of the, the, the pass game, obviously the wingspan helps. Um, you know, he's not going to be a guy in the NFL who's in, he's not going to need perfect technique. Um, I think if he's a guy who gets average technique, a little bit above average, he could be an elite, you know an elite guy. Um, his ceiling is absolutely ridiculous. Obviously, like we've talked about with his size, et cetera. Um, so he doesn't need to be perfect uh, with that wingspan with his size. So that's, a, that's obviously a positive. The, the strength helps in both the run game and the pass game. The athleticism helps. Um, like you said, and I, and I like that you pointed that out. That his his balance in his pass sets is good, especially for a guy who's six who's six seven. Uh, pretty smooth, you know, for guys that that big. You see a lot of clunky footwork, a lot of big steps, and and he and a lot of guys who are top heavy off balance and pass sets. But um, I do think he has a nice balance. I do think he has a nice base. I do think he's he's pretty smooth with with his um, footwork, especially um, with that first that first uh, you know step of his of his kick slide when he's trying to fire out um, to create space. He he creates some good uh, ground off of that first step. Um, so that's another positive. Uh, strong punch um, in, in the pass game, and like you said, with the with some of the negatives that you brought up, um, there's not a lot of variety to to his uh, to his punches. Um, you see guys like you know to compare it to NFL players, uh, it doesn't really matter if you're guard, center, you know, right tackle, left tackle. A lot of the guys are trying to punch uh, to change up their punches because guys in the NFL are smart and they're going to study. Okay, you know, if he keeps shooting his his left hand. On a, you know, in simplistic terms, if, if you know, if let's say if you're Tooney, who I was just watching, if you're if you're gonna keep shooting, you know, that left hand, I'm gonna be prepared to chop it down with my right, like simple things like that. So I want to see him, you know, sh- uh, slide with his uh, slide outside, shoot with his left first, shoot with his right first, come under with hooks first, you know, fake punches, uh, flash his hand, circle punches. Like there's things I want to see him do uh, to add variety into his pass sets, and like you said. Um, it beca- you know it can become predictable and people can beat it um, in the NFL and he does get beat inside because he does open early and pass that so you really want to start opening up once the guy gets to your level um, but he will he he will uh, open his hips up early where he starts to turn his hips to the outside which makes him more susceptible to the to the inside move especially when they're not at the level they're supposed to be at when you're uh, supposed to be properly turning your hips so. Uh, he is susceptible to that. So you definitely want to see him not open as early um, as he does uh, in terms of the pass game as well. I think he's a little bit off balance when he throws his punch. I like to see him shoot with a, with a better base. Like I said, he has a, he's a good base and, and pass protection, uh, like the slides. But when he throws his punch, I think he leans a little bit into it, uh, inconsistent at picking up stunts. His hands shoot a little bit high, which is it's going to be hard for him to shoot his hands super low because he's 6'7". But I think he could work a little bit more on shooting his hands you know, into the chest, in, into the uh, outer pec, into the ribs if he needs to, you know, getting it near the hips. Um, he also oversets, which is another reason why he will be susceptible to, to getting beat inside because not, not only does he open his, his hips early, 
Um, even if he is square, he'll overset where he's not, he's not framing the rusher as he needs to, you know, splitting the, the middle of the rusher's body with that outside foot is what you're, what you're going to try to do. Um, and you'll see him with his, with his inside foot, like splitting the body or, or pretty much squared up with the, uh, the rusher, which really makes you susceptible to get beat through that B gap. Uh, doesn't take full advantage of his length because of how he shoots, you know, where he, you see some load up in, into his shoots, um, where his hands might come up a little bit wide, um, where if you're going to like hug a guy, Obviously, your length isn't going to be as effective um, in that way as if you were, you know, going to shoot your hand straight and properly. So, uh, I definitely think he can take advantage of his length. More inaccurate punches. I think he could work up on his. Uh, this is some stuff in the run game that I, that I didn't say, uh, which I guess I'll throw in now. I, uh, you know, I think he can come in out of control in the second level. Needs to clean up on cut blocks. I talked about the load up on punches in terms of weaknesses. Uh, doesn't work, you know, to cover gaps, which I think he needs to do. Um, and in the passing too, I think he needs to stay more square overall. So there's a lot of tech, technical work that he needs. Um, so for me, he is definitely of the four tackles, the, the most boom or bust type guy, which, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about my rankings later, Scott, but I'll say it now and, and, and ruin your whole podcast, but he, he's my, he's my OT four. Um, I, I love what he can be, but with how, how high I think the other guy's floors are, um, he's a little bit too much of a, of a risk for me, like because, like I said, he's he's a little bit boomer busty. I don't think he'll ever be terrible because of how physically dominant he is. But the other guys, and you know, Will's worse, Thomas. I, I think their floors are much higher, and they're also guys who are ridiculous, you know, with their athleticism. Where you know, just on a general kind of like overall view of the other guys, where I think Will's is a, is a physical freak as well, and his technique is is phenomenal. Um, to me, worse might not be as big as Becton, but he absolutely lit up the combine with how he moves, and he's much more technically refined than than Becton. Uh, still a great athlete, and, you know, as well, just a different type of athlete. And then you have a guy in Thomas who, you know, the argument for me is, okay, who's OT three? Who who's OT four? I had to sit and, and you know, think about this. Thomas is a guy who he's not a freak like the other guys are, but he's still not a bad athlete, and he's and he's pretty technically he's he, probably the most technically refined other than Wills to me. So. Um, and plus he's like 36 inch arms. So he has some really good traits as well. So, uh, Becton is my, is my OT four, um, with probably the highest ceiling. But like I said, the, the, the much, much lowest floor. So, um, there's definitely some concerns. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME.
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. One of the criticisms that PFF has had of Mackay Becton is the pass sets in Louisville. What do you think about that? Is that a major cause for concern? Yeah, you're talking about like like Louisville. They're getting rid of the ball really, uh, mm-hmm. really quickly. Where you're not really seeing you're not really seeing him, you know, vertical setting and things like that um, all the time. You're going to see more jump sets, more 45 degree sets. Yeah, it's, it's a concern because you didn't see him do it all the time. Um, I saw some of the of the vertical setting a little bit deeper pass shots. There wasn't a ton of it, so it's, it's kind of hard to to judge because you know when I'm personally watching things, I want to see something happen, you know, a ton where I could work and mark it down as a as a strength or a weakness. So I would definitely like to see um, him more in a uh, you know kind of pro style system in terms of how they're utilizing him in, in pass sets and things like that. So um, it it is a slight concern that he didn't have to do that. Um, a ton is another thing that he's going to have to technically work on on top of the things I'm already talking about. He needs to technically work on because there are some good, like I said, I named a lot of good things that he does um, and they're good. But I, I think the, the bad technical aspects of his game, whether it be in, in, in pass sets or the run game show up um, far too often for me to be confident that he's going to be able to defeat that NFL. And like I said, there's a lot of times in the run game or the, or the pass game where he's winning because of that, that wingspan, because of that strength. In the NFL, it's, it's, it might work against some guys, but it's not going to work as much as it did in college. There's just no way. NFL guys are, are way too damn good. There's a lot of freak athletes um, in the NFL, offensive line, defensive line, whatever it may be. So you can't just rely on you know getting your hands wide and hug technique a guy um, because he can't bull rush you. You know, If you're going to shoot your hands wide in the NFL, uh, listen, yeah, you're, you're 370, but if a guy gets really good leverage, and he's working up through the through the turf, you know, up through his up through his legs, up through his up through his core, uh, into you, and you don't have good hand placement. I don't care how how big you are against some of these guys, you know, Chandler Joneses and you know, et cetera, in in the NFL, who are absolute freaks as well. So um, there's a lot of, of of question marks with him. Like I said, with a, with a high ceiling. So yes, he's there at 11, and all the other tackles are gone. Sure, take him. I don't necessarily think he'd be the best fit for for his own scheme because the zone scheme. You gotta be smart. You gotta be, um, you know, a really great athlete. He's a great athlete for his size, but you prefer him, like I said, in, in a in a gap scheme, um, you know, power scheme, you know, counter whatever whatever you know the team is running primarily um, to just move guys. Where uh, the the zone scheme, I think you need more technical refinement. Where those other schemes, it's more just power, um, in my opinion. So he's not the the absolute best fit for what the Jets do. And there's also a ton of question marks, and that's why, you know, he drops down to to my OT four. 
I'll tell you who he reminded me of watching the tape, and I'm curious if you agree. Now, granted, they play different positions, but this is going to lead me to another question as well. He reminded me a little bit of Kalecio Semele, and I'm talking about good Kalecio Semele. I'm not talking about the version we saw last year who ended up getting benched for Alex Lewis and then eventually the whole thing with the lawsuit. I'm talking about the guy that was one of the best guards in the NFL for the Raiders and for the Ravens. I think there are a lot of similarities there. And I think that he could become that kind of player at the tackle position if, as you said, he gets coached up to even an average technique, which I think is very possible. I think I'm probably more optimistic than you are. I think that worst case scenario, he's a decent, solid tackle. I think that's his floor. His ceiling is possibly a gold jacket, but that's kind of the waters that you have to navigate. I do agree that he has the lowest floor of the four, but when I watched him, I saw a lot of that Coleccio Semele stuff, and what I thought about when I was watching him was, would it make some sense, and I'm not even saying for the Jets necessarily, but I'm just saying in general, would it make some sense to take Mekhi Becton, start him off at guard as you work with him on his technique, where I think he could be more effective right away, and then eventually slide him over to tackle? It's worked for several players in the NFL, and it seems to me that it might not be a bad option for Mekhi Becton. What do you think about that? Um, uh, I feel like that's playing like, with fire a little bit because I feel like it might work with some guys, but your, your technical aspects and, and what you need to do as a guard and a tackler are, are completely different in terms of the guys you're going up against to where, you know, obviously on the interior, you're, you could be playing guys anywhere from 290 to, to 350. Um, you, you know, you don't have as much depth in your pass sets. You're not going to have to face as much speed. The, the, the handwork is different. The footwork is, is different. Like I said, in terms of those, in terms of those pass sets. Um, it's going to be a little bit, it's obviously going to be different in the, in the run game, you know, as well, um, in, in the zone scheme, uh, even though it's a little bit less complicated, I guess, in the power scheme in, ter- in, in terms of guard to tackle, uh, I guess in power versus, versus zone, I'm trying to say. Uh, so I would just play him a tackle to be completely honest, especially considering what the Jets have at tackle. Um, I think that. At this point, and it's you know it's rare to see going to the season. I'm more comfortable with him on the outside because right now, if you're going into the season with let's just say Mackay Becton, what they have, you know you're going to have Mackay Becton in that guard, and then Fant and Adoga uh, at the tackles. Um, I probably would rather have you know Lewis at at left guard, uh, McGovern at center. And then you have Van Roten and Winters compete. If Winters doesn't win, you cut him, whatever it may be, renegotiate his, his contract. And then you have uh, two okay guys at guard, below average guys at guard. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely say below average, um, where I think they have more of a need at tackle. So I, I would rather just play him a tackle, to be completely honest. But in terms of the uh, Clutchio Semley thing, I get it. They're both massive. They're both big. Um, but Clutchio Semley was definitely more technically refined than than, you know, uh, a guy in Beckton because, yeah, you see the same type of plays where a guy, you know, he, he plows the guy over, but you really got to watch the hands and the leverage and everything that went into that block where, you know, Makai Beckton might be doing it against a 220-pound linebacker who's not very good and is not, you know, playing with a proper leverage and, you know, not setting him up on the inside to, to break outside, you know, laterally. So, uh, Coletio Samuel was doing it with better technique against better competition um, and with better hands, you know, with clutch assembly, you saw different punches, 
you know, you saw, you saw him, you know, circle punch, you saw him flash his hands up into the, you know, defensive lineman's uh, face to, to make them, you know, lean into, you know, a hand and try to defeat that hand that wasn't there, making them all bounce so he can catch him with, you know, whatever hand it may be. So I, he had a lot more technique and that's why Clutch Yosemite was a, you know, legit, probably the best guard or one of the best guards in the NFL, you know, in the, in the, what, like 2014, 15, 16, whatever it was, 17 maybe. Um, so there's a big difference between Lechio Semele tech, tech, uh, being a, a huge guy technically refined to Makai Becton, who is huge, not technically refined, and throwing around guys in college, you know. So I, I see that as like a, you know, uh, the ceiling for him. I'm, I actually expect probably higher than Lechio Semele because one, you know, t- tackle is more important than guard. And, and two, you know, Clutchy's huge, but Makai Becton, to, to use pr- improper English, you know, uh, is huger. So <laughs> it's, uh, I, I see the ceiling as being higher, but um, I, I can't just automatically, you know, make that. But I do agree with you. You know, I'm not saying that his, I, I think his floor is lower than the other guys. But like I said, with, with how big he is, um, he doesn't need perfect technique because, you know, let's say if he does overset, his wingspan is that like, he can hug a tree. So he might be able to get his hand in, into a guy's chest to uh, drop his post and and, uh, and and recover, but still, it, it still needs a lot of work to just be okay at an NFL level. So, um, I, I would say I think he could be, you know, even if he does not work out, I still think he could be, you know, a, a bad starter. Which people automatically, oh, that's the worst he could possibly be. There's a difference between a bad starter and a bad backup. I, I've always said that. So. I don't think his floor is ridiculously low just because of, of how big he is, but I, I, I still think it's lower than the other guys. So, Yeah, just to clarify, what I meant as far as Assemble is that when you're looking at what Assemble was coming into the NFL, not necessarily what Assemble turned into, mm-hmm. I'm saying that you could see a similar progression for Makai Becton where if his technique were to improve, that he could become that dominant player like Kalecio Semelin. I also said that it was at a different position, so I wanted to make that distinction because obviously Assemble, a guard, and Becton a tackle, but that's why I threw out the possibility of starting Becton at guard and then sliding him over, and I don't think that that would be the best idea for the Jets, and I said that before too. I'm saying just in general, I think it might be an interesting uh-huh. possibility for a team that has that flexibility on their line that maybe you draft Becton, you start him off at guard where it's a little bit easier because you don't have to necessarily deal with the smaller, speedier guys with the better technique. You don't get as many of the interior rushers that are as good as the exterior rushers. Obviously, he'd have a lot of trouble with somebody like Aaron Donald, but really, who wouldn't? I'm just saying that maybe if you start him off at guard and then eventually slide him over to tackle as his technique improves, that might be an option for a team. I don't think it would be a great option for the Jets for the exact reasons that you said and because I think they have that immediate need at tackle. And by the way, I wanted to know about this too. I was talking to Clayton Smarslock about this. I'm of the belief that even if Becton were to come in here and struggle a little bit in his rookie season, if Frank Pollock is even a halfway decent coach, he should be better at left tackle right off the bat than Fant and Adoga. Adoga was okay at right tackle. At left tackle, he really, really struggled. And Fant as you talked about on the show, has a ton of technique issues in his own right. So if you got Makai Becton and plugged him in at left tackle, he would struggle, but he could still be a significant upgrade 
over what you would probably get from George Fant if he were to start 16 games or Adoga at left tackle. I think those two are better off competing at right tackle and having Becton, even with his flaws right off the bat, would be a better option. Do you see it that way? Yeah, and yeah, there's a reason, you know, he's my OT4, but he's still, if he's there, he's the pick at, at 11, obviously, if the other three are gone over, you know, guys like Judy, who, uh, Judy is my number one wide receiver, and it's not, it's not close to me, I think his, his technique and his route running is, is absurd, um, and that gets you open in the NFL, uh, look, a guy, and I think he's a little bit, better, he's, you know, he's a better athlete than guys like Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen's a, um, one of the best receivers in the NFL, and you add, you know, uh, more yak, I, I think. Um, just as good. Um, he has improved some things. He's not keen now yet, but I, I think that's his feeling. So, regardless, whatever you know, Becton uh, would still be the pick there. And we talked about it, you know many times. Yeah, you have you know you have Becton at whatever he feels more comfortable. You know, he's, he's playing left tackle, um, and then you have you know Adoga and Fant compete for for right tackle. Um, that's the ideal situation if you draft uh, Becton. Now, would he be immediately better? It's, 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 I, I, I can't say that. Um, because people are down on Adogo, and Adogo, he was a third round pick, or third, fourth round pick, uh, for a reason. Um, but people have to, you know, understand that every situation, every situation is not linear, and guys don't grow like other guys grow. You know, there's certain third round tackles who have a really good season in their first season. There's guys who don't, and then, and then, you know, uh, you know, bud on their on their fourth season, and there's no better example than guys in the Jets like uh, Fado Kasi and Shepard, who you know play different positions, but in terms of like a a later round guy um, who became you know good players like Shepard and Fado Kasi were a big reason the Jets had one of the best, the second best run defense in the NFL, and that's after their first year. Where people talk, talking about the summer where both of these guys might might get cut, or nah, keep one of them, but the other one has to get cut. So Adoga could take a big step up um, in year two. I, I think a lot of his his tech he, he needs he needs work in the run game, uh, pass game. He's pretty sound, but he has a weird body build and he's not really the strongest guy. Um, so he, he if he hits the weight room and gains a few pounds, um, gets more technically refined in the run game, you know he could step up. And we talked about it with Fant. Um, if he continues his trend upward from end of eighteen, where he was absolutely just terrible. And like I said, when I put up those first 10, 15 plays of, of Fant, it's going to get like one like combined and everybody's going to hate me. But once you see, you know, his progression through that to, you know, mid-19 to end of 19, um, if he keeps building, you know, building that up um, and goes on that upward trajectory, I can't say that Beckton would be automatically better than him. I know that's kind of crazy to say, but he's still coming in as a rookie and has to learn a lot. And Fant in his in his last two games was better technically than Beckton is right now if he just walked into the NFL. And the same thing applies to him uh, with Frank Pollock as it does to to Fant. And, and Fant is a different player than than Beckton, but Fant is a really really smooth um, athlete. You can see that he played tight end. You can see that he played basketball. So it's not like he's he's a guy who plays with his his feet stuck in the mud. So you know it's 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 an interesting conversation. Um, if I now I'm not I'm not saying that I don't agree with that. I'm just saying there's possibilities either way. Now, would I bet on Becton or or Fan being better? I'm betting Becton, but I'm just saying it's not a guarantee. So don't don't get that you know, twisted for everybody who's listening. Um, but 
uh, yeah, I want three. I want three guys there between two positions. They all compete, and the best guys play. Which Beckham, you know, he's eleven. He's a pick over, uh, eleven overall. Yeah, he's gonna play. Um, and just to quickly address the guard thing, and you know, I, I agree with you that if he goes to a team, you know, let's say who I, I forget who just signed Beluga. Um, whoever team signed Beluga, okay, well you'd have two two solid tackles. One of them might retire in a year or two. And then remove Beckton there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, for that situation, um, yeah, sure, do it. But obviously, for the Jets situation, they have a dial to tackle, so he'll he'll start a tackle. But I think you need a little bit less technique as a guard than than tackle. But at the same time, if he's playing a Fletcher Cox or you know Aaron Donald, like you said, and and they get their hands inside of him, uh, I don't care how big you are, you're, you're getting driven back by <laughs> Donald or Cox or something like that. So uh, even though it does take a little bit less technique than outside linebacker playing a guy like Von Miller, Cleo Mack, who if you overset, you open your hips up, you know, early against them, you're absolutely effed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it, it kind of, that's that, I, I guess that wraps up what I'm, what I'm saying. Last question, Joe, what do you think about Frank Pollock's ability to work with Makai Becton if Makai Becton were the pick at number 11? Because I know a lot of Jets fans are really down on him based on what happened last year. I don't really think it's entirely his fault for a variety of reasons, but I do think that his reputation took a bit of a hit after last season. After what you saw from the Jet offensive line and what you've looked at from Pollock's past, are you confident that Pollock could coach Makai Becton up to, as you said, somewhere around average technique, which is what he would need to be to be able to come close to reaching that ceiling? Yeah, if, like I said, if he, if he has average technique, if he gets the average technique overall, where they'd be a little bit better in the run game, worse than, worse than the pass game, whatever it may be, if he's average te- technically-wise, he's a really good tackle, like I said. So, um, yeah, uh, I, have, I have faith in, in Pollock. And, and the thing with Pollock is, listen, is everybody's opinion of him lower now than it was um, at the beginning of last year? Probably, but I can't let, you know, 10, 11, 12, whatever years that he's been coaching of great reputation get wiped out by one lackluster year for the Jets. And with that lackluster year, you know, (laughs) there's so much that goes into coaching, you know, Uh, Beecham, is there a lot you can coach a guy who's been in the league for as long as he he was, you know, Alex Lewis has been in the league for, you know, in the league for a while. Uh, you know, you're looking at guys like, you know, let's say uh, Brandon Shell and, and Harrison, who are below average guys, and can you just coach them up to be, you know, elite immediately? Um, especially when they've already been getting coached and they've learned some of their bad habits. Uh, I don't think that's fair to Frank Pollock. I think if you give him a moldable ball of clay um, with absurd, you know, uh, potential like Beckton, I think he will coach him up. So I do have some faith in him. Like I said, I can't just. I don't, I'm not in the meeting rooms with them. I'm not on the practical with them. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what he tried to teach them that wasn't implemented or, or they didn't implement into their game. And it takes more than one year uh, to develop an offensive lineman, especially if they learn bad habits and have been in the league for you know a while already. And we, we a lot of people talk about it. It's a, it's a good you know and and valid uh, talking point that you know with the rules now, the CBA and all that stuff, you get less time to practice. You get less physical. Um, practices in terms of the trench play and things like that. And with the offensive line, listen, you could do walkthroughs all day with receivers and corners. And yeah, you know, it might not be as, you know, as effective, but it's more effective doing walkthroughs and things like that with receivers and corners than it is with doing offensive line. If you can't block, you know, there's just no way. There's way too much power involved with technique to be able to do a walkthrough or a shells practice or whatever it may be. Um, so I, I think that hurts, you know, offensive linemen nowadays. 
Um, and when you're looking at less of those practices plus limited time with the guys he's coaching with uh, guys who are already, you know, taught their bad habits, I think the only ball of clay he had was Adoga. And Adoga is a, he was a, you know, third round pick. So am I expecting to be elite in year one or good in year one? No. Um, let's see the steps he takes this year. But yeah, I, I can't let up. Uh, you know, let multiple years of good reputation from, you know, some smart guys in the NFL wipe out, uh, you know, Frank Powell's kind of uh, reputation just because of one lackluster year that we don't even know if it was lackluster, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's where I'm at with Frank Pollock, too. And as far as the offensive line, I think we agree. Best option for the Jets is get a left tackle and then let Fant and Adoga compete on the right side. I think Adoga showed some promise on the right side, struggled a lot more on the left side. That's what your film showed. And anybody who hasn't seen it yet really should go and check it out right now at JetsXFactor.com, which is where all of your film is now for Blewett's Blitz. Joe Blewett, thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. Why don't you go ahead and talk about what you've got going on right now, because I know you've got a million irons in the fire as we get ready for the draft and as you're wrapping up free agency. You've got so much film, so anybody that's a subscriber to JetsXFactor.com can access all of it. If you're not a subscriber, you can access some of it. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, just me individually. Uh, I just I just did Perryman, which is post up on Jets X Factor. I'm doing a show on him, you know, this week or maybe by the time you listen to this, it's already out. Um, you can go on YouTube, type in Jets X Factor, or just type in Blue Splits. To be simple, you'll, you'll find it there. There's not many shows that are called Blue Splits. Uh, I realize with typing <laughs> in Jets X Factor, you get some like some UK X Factor guys singing, so you might not be able to find it as well until we you know we just started, so we have to get a little bit bigger for the show up first. Um, so do Blue Splits. Uh, the podcast app is Blue It Split. I Blue It Split. Um, the YouTube is Blue It Split. The website's Blue It Split. And I just did Perryman. Uh, 41 play review of him. Did a 62 play review of McGovern. Uh, working through a Desir review right now, which should be probably about 50, 55 plays. Uh, after Desir, uh, we're going transitioning to George Fant, which, like I said, they're, they're all getting, um, you know, film reviews, they all get lists of strengths and weaknesses. Strengths and weaknesses are only, you know, accessible to you if you are a subscriber. You For the YouTube, you could watch about half of the YouTube show, then it kind of like, you know, blacks out the screen if you're not a subscriber. I think for the price of, of three cups of coffee a month, I think it's worth it because um, you're not just getting my stuff. Uh, Nania puts out some of the, like, I don't, he must have a lot of time because some of the things he does is just absolutely crazy. And that's no offense to him. He's just really dedicated to it. Like he just put out a whole article um, looking at, at Trayvon Wesco and his blocking. And you can't get that unless you're, you know, the whole thing, unless you're a subscriber, they put out reviews of uh, peanut. They put out reviews of games that Marcus May and Jamal Adams had, had well together. And there's just so much content. It's absolutely absurd uh, for primarily three guys right now. Um, doing it where, like, like I said, I think it's worth it. So there's a ton coming on Jets X Factor. Literally any uh, player profile you want, anything you want to learn about the team, you can, schemes, whatever it may be. Uh, it's a pretty legit website if I do say, uh, do say so myself. And uh, if you're not interested in that stuff, you're just interested in my show, there's, like you said, there's, there's probably too many irons in the fire, in the fire right now. Go ahead and follow Joe on Twitter at JoeRB31. Follow his work over at JetsXFactor.com. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on this show yet, if you could go ahead and do that over on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. It's a good way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't cost you any money. It doesn't take you much time. 
but it's a big help to us. So if you could do it, we'd really be grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.